0: Happy Mother's Day! (laughs) Anybody else want pot roast (laughs) now? That's awesome. Well, good morning. I first want to just take a moment to recognize and honor all of our beautiful women that are in this place. Whether you're a mom-to-be, you've adopted, you've fostered, you have stepchildren, even spiritual moms. We just want to celebrate you today and honor you. The labor alone, in my opinion, is worth a standing ovation. But... And the guys were like, yeah, come on. So if you would, would you put your hands together for moms, women in general? Thank you. (laughs) She's worth it. And in honor of moms, we decided to do something new uh, today that we're trying. We're having a photo booth that we set up. So as soon as service is over, just kind of drag your family and it'll be right over here. It might be a little bit chaotic. So we thank you in advance for your patience and just get your best pose going on. And because we're not going to like stop and let you see your picture. It's just going to be snapped and then put uh, on a link where you can get it from Amen. Before I get into today's biblical text, I want to talk to you about texting in general. How many moms text? Can I see your hand? Some of you are texting now, so you're not responding to me. Okay. How many moms send your kids like annoying texts or sometimes kids, please tell me, you got to talk to me. Kids, your mom does not make sense when she texts, right? I'll cover you so you can say yes, even if you're sitting by her. And moms, it's it's my due diligence today. It's my gift to you, especially if you're um, certain decades and older that we need to teach you how to text. So if you don't believe me, I'm going to put up a few examples. Would you show that first one? This is a mom texting uh, her child. Your great aunt just passed away, LOL. Why is that funny? It's not funny, David. What do you mean? Mom, LOL means laughing out loud. Oh my goodness. I sent that to everyone. I thought it meant lots of love. I have to call everyone back. Next one. (laughs) I think I keep getting messages or missed calls or something from who? Some woman named Betty Lowe. (laughs) Moms, that means battery low. Yes, that's it. And then I think I keep getting, oh, no, nope, sorry, see, I'm a mom. Um, what does IDKLY and TTYL mean? I don't know, love you, talk to you later. Okay, I will ask your sister. <laughs> Y'all need to know. <laughs> and for the love of God, I beg you, please do not spell out, or t- uh, some of us text and actually s- like use the words laugh out loud. Don't do that. Just put LOL. You'll kids will know, like you don't have to actually spell it out. Nobody here does that. So you're all looking at me like I'm crazy. But, um, another thing, this is my, um, other gift to you. I, I want to pull you into, um, 2019 and I want you to use the word bet. I need for you to use the word bet. There's also words like low key, but we're going to stick with bet today. So if your child texts you, bet means I understand. You got it. I agree. This is how you need to use it. We should see a movie tonight and you just have to say bet. That's it. Right? Generation Z. Is that, is that cool? If you want to mortify your children, please do it. And before you make fun of them, some of you used to say cool back in the day and far out. So there's no judgment here on on what the kids say. But um, so I've intent, intentionally tried to use humor. I don't know if it came across very well. But um, I understand that Mother's Day can also be uh, a very painful reminder and holiday. Um, I know two people here this morning who this is their first year without their mom and so it's a painful reminder to them. Um, we know there's those who have struggled with infertility, miscarriages, the loss of a child. Again, maybe your, your mom passed. And then there are those who have had very broken relationships with their parents, especially in a church our size. And we just want to say that we honor you. And we wanted to take... Just time to mention and, and also to pray over you at the end of this message. So and if we can be aware as a body that that not everyone has a mom. Amen. Um, so back to the real text, which is the biblical text today. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory so you can kind of track with me. Um, the three main characters, if you will, um, Elkina. Is his name, Elkina, Elkina. Um, Pastor Mark will probably text me and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm not sure if he knows how to text. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I love Pastor Mark so that I love him. He knows how to text. Um, <laughs> <just> bet. <laughs> anyway. Um, Elkina had a wife named Hannah, and Hannah was barren for about 19 years. And, um, about 10 years into his marriage with Hannah, he decides to take a second wife whose name was Panina. Scholars say that Elkina married her about 10 years, and Panina, who actually could have children, would actually mock Hannah for having children. So we want to keep that in mind because there's some things that we're going to address today about that. So if you would, would you stand with me as we read all hundred verses of today's chapter? Just hang in there. Here we go. And so it happened year after year. Each time Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, Penina would make her angry. Hannah cried and wouldn't eat, and her husband, Okina, said to her, Hannah, why are you crying? Why are you not eating, and why is your heart sad? Am I not better than having ten sons? That's a typical male response, by the way. Then Hannah stood after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh. And Eli, the religious leader, was sitting on the seat by the door of the house of the Lord. Hannah was very troubled, and she prayed to the Lord and cried with great sorrow. And she made a promise or a vow. This is what she said O Lord of all, be sure to look upon the trouble of your woman servant and remember me. Do not forget your woman servant, but give me a son. If you will, then I will give him to the Lord all of his life, and no hair will ever be cut from his head. And while she was praying to the Lord, Eli was watching her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she had drunk too much. (laughs) Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put wine away from you. But she answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have not drunk wine or strong drink, but I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not think of your woman servant as a woman of no worth, for I have been speaking out of much trouble and pain in my spirit. Then Eli answered, go in peace. May the God of Israel do what you have asked. And Hannah said, let your woman servant find favor in your eyes. Just jump to verse 19. The family got up early the next morning, worshiped the Lord. And when they returned to their house in Ramah, Alkina lay with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord made it possible for her to have a child. And when the time came, she gave birth to a son and she called him Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, with upheld hands and hearts, God, we give you this time. We ask, Lord, that you would become real, become personal. I pray, Lord, especially for our women today, that they would have a powerful encounter with the person of Jesus, that you are so kind. You hear them, you see them, whatever season they're in, you celebrate them, oh God. Lord, for those whose hearts are heavy today with loss, we ask that you would be the God who comforts. We ask that you would be their father. We thank you, We thank you that we can look to you in your goodness and mercy in Jesus mighty name. We pray. Everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. So number one, Hannah's pain. Verse two, it talks about Hannah being barren. Scholars believe that she was barren for about 19 years. In biblical times, and, and I'm trying to create the tension of why this was such a big deal. In biblical times, children were seen, according to Psalms 127, as a reward or a heritage. Sons in particular, especially the firstborn. Can I hear an amen from the firstborn sons? <laughs> oh, you have privileges and responsibilities. So, <laughs> um, But in those days, they held a very sacred um a sacred order, birth order, and it was known as their birthright. Part of all the responsibilities and privileges that they had, one of them was to carry the name or the lineage of the family. As one Jewish source puts it, the ability to have children became a woman's primary social expectation and purpose in life. In other words, it became her identity. Jewish culture at this time also considered a barren woman to be cursed. So could you imagine? Imagine what she was feeling. Her identity was wrapped in what she could produce. Society told her that she was cursed. This is why in Genesis 30 verse 1, if you know the story with Rachel and Jacob, Rachel says, give me children or I die. Because their identity was wrapped in having children. So get the picture, a barren woman already experiences self-rejection, society's rejection, and then when you look at Genesis 128, which says to be fruitful and multiply, she then takes on a feeling of being rejected by God. Professors Joel S. Baden and Candida Moss, I'm just going to briefly read this. It's an article based on their book called Reconceiving Infertility. It's a powerful, powerful insight. They say, although it is spoken to the first humans in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply is not a command that pertains to all people at all times. Even in the Bible itself, these words cannot be taken straightforward. As straightforward instruction, both Noah and Jacob are told to be fruitful and multiply, and yet in both cases, God gave this to them after they had had children. Moreover, this blessing is given only to those individuals who stand at the head of necessary lineages. For example, the first humans, Noah, Abraham, and Jacob. And once Jacob's 12 sons are born, no one else in the Bible will be told to be fruitful and multiply. The article continues in the New Testament. The jiving metaphor is one of adoption. Biological lineage becomes less important than spiritual adoption in the Christian church. And for some, you're like, why are you telling us this? Because that command, be fruitful and multiply. I've used it before. And it bears a lot of significant pain for those who can't. So I wanted to, I spent like 40 hours digging into Jewish history about the culture and and what they felt. And and also to address it because women still actually feel this way. I, I reached out to a friend of mine who struggles with infertility. She's had miscarriages. She, um she actually pulled some friends of hers and she told me today in between services, I thought these friends had a Christian upbringing. They weren't. So it's very interesting to, to hear the words that they use. This is what they said. I feel shame. I feel punishment for past sins. Did I do something wrong to deserve this? I feel anger towards God. I feel resentment, especially towards women who can have children and I feel isolated because their identity literally becomes wrapped in there's something wrong with my body. I can't produce life. So here you have Hannah experiencing all these words, all these feelings. To make matters worse, her husband takes another wife about 10 years in, and Panina is able to have children. In addition to that, Panina would actually mock Hannah. Y'all feel me? (laughs) That's a bad case. That's a really irritable thing that someone actually mocks what you're not able to do. Although it was customary to have more than one spouse in those days, I'm going to tell you that was not part of God's original design or intent. Okay? That should give you a big amen. As one commentator puts it, that was an unmitigated sociological disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the men are like, yeah, one is hard enough. Could you imagine two? Maybe you're here today and you are battling these same feelings that Hannah felt. And maybe there's not a panina. Or a person that's mocking you. But sometimes I know as a woman, the loudest voice that you often hear is your own. And it sounds like this. What's wrong with me? God, you made me wrong. What did I do to deserve this? And God, where are you? And I'm standing up here today because A, I want to call out those lies in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you that your infertility, your pain, your mental, emotional trauma, your physical diagnosis, the bipolar, the depression, the cancer, all of those things do not define you. You are not defined by what the world or any doctor has said. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image of God and he makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. And I also realize that there's timings and there's seasons of waiting and wrestling. And it's not a formula where you pray and God just answers right away. Amen. Sometimes he does. And a lot of times he doesn't. So Hannah's pain. Number two, Hannah's plea. I could have said Hannah's prayer, but a plea is a request done in an urgent An emotional manner. This is what we refer to as ugly crying. (laughs) Some of y'all have never maybe ugly cried, but that's why women wear waterproof mascara. Because we ugly cry. Amen. (laughs) Hannah's plea. The Jews would make a yearly trip to Shiloh. So this tells me that this was not Hannah's first time crying out to the Lord for a child. Every year she would go, every year in the face of being mocked, every year as the first wife, every year reminded that she could not have kids. You can't tell me that she didn't cry out to God every single time. Scholars say for 19 years is what they estimate. Here's a couple of things. Number one, she makes a silent vow. A vow is a specific type of oath a pledge or a covenant in verse 11. She says, if you give me a son, then I will give him back to you. This is why Eli saw her lips moving, but nothing was coming out. You see the vow was silent. Vows were also taken very, very seriously in Jewish culture. If you read Leviticus and numbers, it goes into all the detail and the depth and the weight of what making a vow meant. And also Jesus even addresses in Matthew 5. He says, but I say to you, do not make a vow, but simply let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. Specifically for women, and this will all make sense. Specifically for women, here's what the law said about a vow numbers 30 verses 10 through 12. But suppose a woman is married and living in her husband's home when she makes a vow or binds herself with a pledge. If her husband hears of it and does not object to it, her vow or pledge will stand. But if her husband refuses to accept it on that day, he hears it. Her vow or pledge will be nullified and the Lord will forgive her. I believe that Hannah understood that law. I believe that in her mind, she knew by law because Jewish cultures, they were raised as young kids to know the law. They just, they knew it. They knew it in their heart. I believe that if Alkina would have heard her vow that day and he disagreed with it, because after all, he could nullify. So if she's praying out to God and he hears, I'm going to give Samuel back, he could turn around and say, that's my boy too. That's not going to happen. So she made it in her heart. The King James says she silently or in her heart said it. Why is this encouraging to me? And I hope you, because later in verse 20, we learn that God does hear Hannah's request. He grants her a son named Samuel. This teaches me that God in his kindness and his mercy will even respond to your unspoken requests. He hears you. He sees your tears. You may not tell anyone. You might be too embarrassed. You may never hit an altar. You may never tell an altar worker, but God hears you. He hears you. And I don't care if you ugly cry and what society may think or religious people may think if your makeup's coming off women and even men. He hears you. He hears your plea. I'm also encouraged to know that because vows are treated so seriously that when God makes a vow, when God makes an oath, when God makes a covenant, he will keep his promise. It will come to pass. Luke 131. For every promise from God will surely come true. Jeremiah 112 for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. God is watching to see his word fulfilled when the word of the Lord comes to you or your family, moms and dads, you write it down. You write it down. You put it up on your fridge. You put it up in the mirror. You put it on your phone. You stand on that word. It's a promise from God. If it's scriptural, amen. It has to be scriptural. It has to bear witness, but you stand on it and you remind yourself and you remind the enemy and you remind God. This is a promise. My child is a promise. My marriage is a promise. Maybe this business is a promise, but God will fulfill his word. Not only is her vow silent, but it's full of audacious faith. It's bold. It's gritty. It's in your face. Hannah addresses God as the Lord of all. In the original language, It translates as the Lord of hosts. And this is what, this is who she calls to. This is the name that Hannah uses when she said Lord of hosts. It means the God of the armies of heaven or the God of the angel armies. (laughs) This is the first time that God is addressed by this name. It implies, Lord of hosts implies, that all created agencies and forces are under the leadership and the dominion of Yahweh. The first time we see the word host, it appears in Genesis 2.1, right at the beginning of creation. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host in them. Here's what a Messianic Jew writes. This is Awesome. If you don't get anything else get this I learned from a rabbi that this word host could mean that all of the atoms all of the molecules the vast array of them Come together for a common purpose like an army So it is no surprise then that hannah A barren woman calls upon the aspect of God's, this aspect of God's personhood. She cries out to the Lord of hosts, the one who is able to create something from nothing to whom every cell and Adam are called to attention. (laughs) She knows her hope lies with the only one whose voice the whole host of heavens and earth must obey every principality, every diagnosis responds to this Lord of hosts. She understands that the command of the Lord of armies will and must be executed. And it was. There is so much in that name, Lord of hosts. Yes, there are armies. Yes, there are angels. Yes, they're all at his disposal. He's a warrior. He's mighty in battle. But he is also the conductor of the beautiful orchestra that is the entirety of all creation. Every Adam every molecule moves in accord. Some of y'all need to like get this in your spirit. Every atom, every molecule moves. So when you're calling on him, you're saying, Lord of hosts, there, there's unseen action that's going on. Wombs that could not produce, begin to, to take form. They begin to say in Jesus name. Yeah. Your situations that there's no hope in the natural, your diagnosis. I pray over my son because his pancreas doesn't work. You know what? When I got this revelation of lord of hosts i said pancreas he is the lord of hosts and pancreas you may not work now according to the doctor but in jesus name he is perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully made and that is the kind of faith that some of us need to stand up and rise and stop crossing fingers and hoping that it all works out you stand on the promise of god you declare it amen amen I want to briefly share, um, a bit of a personal story. Uh, my mom, I asked her, uh, you know, what advice would you give moms? And there was a a time in my life I was raised in the church and I left Jesus. I backslid. Um, and I, I like to make that clear. She didn't call it a rebellious phase and she didn't say, well, she was offended by the church. So she left, it was like, no, she's, she's not saved. Okay. And so we, they raised me to call sin and own it for what it is. And, and I left the church and here she is. She's a pastor's wife. Um, my dad, you know, he had to get up and, and talk and, and preach. And meanwhile, his own daughter wasn't even saved. And so she said, okay, enough is enough. Enough is enough. She knew she had to let go. She knew that because I, I was one of those strong willed. Dobson children that he (laughs) The younger generation's like what your mom read that book (laughs) Um, but she knew and so she gives me just a couple of things that I want to encourage you today Wherever your child is if they're not serving the lord. I don't care if they're in prison I don't care if you've never heard from them if they're rebellious if they're in your home if they think they're safe Whatever. These are three things that she did for me She said first of all, I ran to the secret place secret place that's fancy for she ran to a spot. (laughs) She ran to a place, a prayer closet, if you will, for those of us who've been saved for a long time, she ran to a prayer closet, a chair, whatever. And she threw herself at the mercy of God. And she said, God, give me strategy to pray over my child. Cause some of us don't know what to pray. Let's be honest we're so hopeless or disappointed. She said, God, give me strategy. And I I promise you the Lord began to show her what the enemy was doing. He began to show her she's under this lie. She's under that lie. She's believing this. And as he began to show her, she began to say, I break that and I replace it with what scripture says. So then she was strategic, but then she took scripture. She would cross out king david or whatever she'd put my name in and she'd go carissa carissa the lord is carissa shepherd he makes her to lie down whatever it was and she just began all the time it didn't happen overnight it didn't because i was my heart was very very hard but i can tell you what i'm standing here today on this <laughs> this awesome privilege of of being behind a microphone and i Oh, this, yes, the grace of God, but God is sovereign, but he partners with the work of your hands. He partners with, we can't just cross our fingers and say, well, I hope it all works out. There is intentionality On our part and and that's what my mom did good news. This is the God you serve. He hears you. He's ready to respond. He's ready to perform your womb, your marriage, your child. It may look like nothing is happening, but everything because the ultimate designer and creator is working on your behalf. Emmanuel is near you today. Emmanuel is near you today. Lastly, Hannah's promise. She tells Eli, do you remember me, sir? I am the woman who stood here. Could you imagine 19 years, 20 years later, she comes back to the temple and Eli who thought she was drunk. I would be running in that temple to show Eli. (laughs) That's just my temperament. Um, But do you remember me, sir? I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord, and he has given me my request. And now I am giving him to the Lord for as long as he lives. So she left him at the tabernacle for the Lord to use. Again, the speculation is anywhere from the ages of like three to five, closer to three is where she literally brought him to the temple and she kept her part of the vow. This tells me that like any promise, position or title and everything else God gives us, especially in parenting, that we ultimately have to surrender them back to him. God gives us children made in his image and not our own. Children are not created to fill some void that, that we need and emptiness. That, that is reserved for God and God alone. That is not what our children are for. They're not born to fulfill your expectations and your dreams. And I know we all have them, but ultimately your child has a purpose and a plan, and it may have nothing to do with what you want. And remind me that I say this when my children do something that I don't want them to do. Uh, um, Samuel, who grows up in the temple, becomes one of Israel's greatest prophets. Out of all the many things he would do, Samuel is the one who finds King David eventually in the field. Samuel is the one that finds him and anoints him as king. And as we later find out, Jesus' lineage came from David. Samuel is the one who anointed David, when man was looking at the outer, Samuel heard from the Lord. He heard from him. Not that one, not that one, not that one. And, and he, he heard. It was anointed. Can I just tell you that moms and dads do hear from the Lord, kids, and, and they really will hear. Come on, moms. <laughs> you know, we call it mother's intuition. That's, that's Jesus talking. Is what that is. Lisa Bevere says God designed women to be carriers and establishers of legacy. A carrier and an establisher. Of legacy is what you're carrying, is what you're a parent of. Whether they become the greatest pastor, missionary, entrepreneur, artist, musician, NFL player. It doesn't matter what God has planned for them. They are only loaned to us for a season. And in this season, we are to train, equip, and position our kids to fulfill that destiny. And at some point, we know that they have a choice. They do have a choice to fulfill it. You can do the best you've ever done as a parent. And like Carrie always said, God was the perfect parent and Adam and Eve still sinned. So your child has a sin nature and they're going to sin. But they have to make the choice to get in line with what God has for them. This is why. We have to be very intentional about how we raise them. It's not up to the church. It's not up to Pastor Drew. Let me say that again. It's not up to Pastor Drew. You can't drop your kid off at youth and then not do your job at home. We can't drop them off at up kids. We can't pray for a mentor to come their way. That is your God-given responsibility first and foremost. And he will give you the grace. He has given you the wisdom. He has given you the word. He has given you everything you need to raise your children, your kids, your DNA. I know that some of us, especially in a church this size, we would be foolish to think that all of us came from healthy homes where we saw biblically-centered parenting modeled. And so a lot of times people hear a message like this and say, man, I've, I messed up. I didn't do it right. There is grace. There is grace. Amen. There is grace. (laughs) You can start today. You can start and God will show you how to mend that broken relationship if that's what needs to happen. So I don't want any guilt or shame um, coming from that, but this is why, or excuse me, when people have no frame of reference, this is why there's a lot of hopelessness and discouragement and they don't know how to raise their kids. So either we do a couple of these things, either we do nothing and hope for the best. And sometimes you'll hear, well, they'll just figure it out. Well, it sure would be helpful if someone older came along and told them a whole lot sooner so they wouldn't have to just figure it out. Or we allow society to tell us how to raise our kids. And when that happens, sometimes we wind up making the same dysfunctional choices that our parents made. And the cycle continues. And then we wonder why we can't start a new legacy or that this issue or addiction hasn't been broken. This is why. Stay with me. This is why we talk about family this is why we want to impart and grow and train and equip families. Your marriages here at Good News Church, parenting classes. This is why. This is why we have mops that we want moms to join. Because we want to come alongside a younger generation. This is why we want to mentor. You're not done parenting. You're not done Your grown kids might be out of the house, but you're not done. We are asking for families to mentor and to take on the next generation. Just like Hannah, we too realize that we are stewards of what we've been given. And we have a spiritual mandate and a responsibility to mother and father the next generation. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to invite some of my friends who are moms and they could come on up. They're in different seasons of life and I want us to engage with them. They're going to, they're going to pray today. They're just going to briefly um, introduce the
1: season of life that they're in and just pray over us today. My name is Cassie Mayo and like Hannah, I was barren and struggled with infertility for 12 years. My husband and I, through the power of prayer and just the blessing and miracle of IVF, we were able to have a child. We then went on to continue struggling with infertility. We've had two miscarriages and two failed adoptions. We now find ourselves in a season of still expecting and wanting God to give us more children. And so I would like to pray for the moms who are here today, for the women who are here today that might have struggled to get here. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father of the Most High, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for the beautiful women that you have brought into this room. And I just ask that you would show them beauty in their circumstances father i pray for the woman who is hurting and crying out and making pleas for you to fill her womb father i pray you fill her with joy father i pray that one day she will turn and look to you and thank you for what you have given her father i pray for the mother who has lost a child either in utero or after and i pray that you would see her hurt and that you would heal her in jesus name Father, I also want to pray for the woman who's about ready to step into adoption or foster care. We thank you for the children that you have placed in our lives. And we just ask that you now help take away fear so that woman can step into her role. And Father, I also want to pray for the woman who might have forfeited her role as a mother at one time. God, I just pray for the hurt. That she experiences especially on a day like today but father you will give her joy and you will give her beauty and you will also let her know that she is a daughter of the Most High father we thank you for what you are about to do in this house
2: my name is Morgan um, I have three young kids ages 2 4 and 6 so if you're a young mom here today if you're pregnant or a new mom or have young kids could you stand There's got to be. Okay. (laughs) All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you for each young mom in this room. Lord, I thank you that you are there in the midst of exhaustion, that you are there as our body changes, that you are there in the on the days when we wake up and we just don't want to do it anymore. God, we thank you that you are there. We thank you, God, that you are for us, that you walk beside us, that as we're feeding and we're changing diapers and we're trying to raise these little human warriors. God, we thank you that you are there. God, I pray that you would surround us with women. That I pray that we would be women that would surround each other, that would encourage each other, that would lift each other up. God, we silence lies that the enemy may um, plant thoughts in our minds that we're not a good enough mom, that we don't know what we're doing. God, I pray that you would just quiet those lies today. God, would you draw near? I pray that this would be a joyful season, a season where we can thrive, that it's a season of fruitfulness. God, we thank you for your power that's at work in these women's lives would you continue to do your work in them and through them as moms in jesus name amen
3: good morning everyone my name is sweetie and the lord has blessed me with three beautiful children ages 12 9 and 6. Uh, well the journey of being a mom is a everyday struggle but the lord is so good and faithful to me I would like to ask all the international moms from different nations to stand up if you can so that we can all agree and pray together. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we praise you, Lord. We thank you for all your goodness, for all your mercy, for all your grace, your love and forgiveness towards each one of us, God. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. And we thank you for all our moms, God Jesus, whom you have chosen to be our moms. We bless our moms in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, I lift up all the international bonds from different countries, different nations, God, into your mighty hands, Lord. Everyone going through different seasons, God, different challenges and stuff. God. Lord, we lift up all the moms, God, who do not have any kind of support in raising their kids, God. We lift up all the moms who has a visa-stated issues to stay in this country, Lord. Lord, uh, we pray for all the broken relationships between mothers and daughters, God, be restored in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that every plan of the enemy over these moms' lives be canceled in the name of Jesus. And we release blessings over their lives, Lord God, Jesus. Let your will be done in each one of our lives and help us to be faithful unto unto you and unto our children lord in jesus name i pray amen
4: my name is Susie, and i'm a single mom i have isaac who is 13 and isabel who is 11 i'd like all the single moms to stand so i can pray for you Here we go. lord i thank you for these women I thank you for your presence in their lives. I thank you that they are not alone on this journey of parenting. (sighs) Meet them, Lord. Help them to make decisions when they have to make decisions alone. Help them in their finances. Surround them with family, to love on them, and to carry them through this journey. Give them peace to be able to rest at night and to wake up with hope in their hearts in the morning. Give them supernatural strength to be the moms that their children need. And silence any voice in their head that says that they are a failure. Strong, you're brave, and you're courageous. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
5: My name is Tana Heineman. I have four kids. My oldest is 25 and married, uh, and I have a little grandson. And then I have 16, 14, and 9 year old boys. So I kind of represent all of those except for a sleeping newborn. Um, so I get it. My 16 year old, though, has a chronic illness. He has Crohn's disease. And I am here to represent all of you mothers who have a child who's fighting a chronic illness, whether that's physical or mental. Um, If you would please stand, I'd like to pray with you today. If you have a child, stand up. I know there's more of you. An illness that barring a miracle, your child will carry the rest of their lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus thank you that you are the god who hears thank you that you are the god who sees thank you that you are a god who keeps his promises god i pray that you would sustain each and every one of these mothers while they wait for that miracle to happen god i'm also reminded today that there are mothers here who have lost a child that that miracle didn't come this side of heaven god i pray that you would sustain and strengthen them today as they are missing that child But for those of us who still have our child here, God, I ask that you would just do mighty miracles in that child, but also in that mother, the weight that we carry as mothers, because we want to heal our children, the wisdom that you have to have to, to listen to the doctors, to hear what they have to say and shake off what what is not truth, to stand in faith, to answer the children's questions when they're suffering or struggling, not able to go to school when they're in pain, when they're different from those around them, all of those things that a mother is carrying to help sustain her child. God, I pray that you would bring strength to each of these mothers today. God, I pray that you would uh, remind them that you are carrying them. You are their refuge and their safe haven, even when it's confusing and even when it's hard. God, I pray that you would just strengthen faith, God, to believe for those miracles. You are a miracle working God and we trust you in the waiting in Jesus name.
0: Amen. Would you guys stand this morning And before we close, really, really quick, I know it's uh, getting a little bit late and we want you to take pictures, but I want to read something over you. It's it was designed for moms. It was from Priscilla Shire from her going uh, going beyond. Um, But men, we can all claim this is it's just truth, biblical truth. Here we go. Sisters, you are surrounded with favor as a shield. You arise and shine, for your light has come. In Christ, you show no defect, but you function in intelligence and in every branch of wisdom, being endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge. The Lord gives you the knowledge and discernment that causes you to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You are the head, you are not the tail. You are above, you are not beneath the lord commands blessings on your life and everything that you put your hands to do will prosper he establishes your life as holy unto himself you do not have to submit and acquiesce to the systems and the thinking of this world but instead you submit to the kingdom of god and his righteousness The integrity of the Lord guides you in your daily life, your job, and everything that you put your hands to do. The Lord leans upon the work of your hand with kind regard, and he makes you fruitful, multiplying your productivity. There is no weapon formed against you that will prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment will be condemned. The Lord vindicates you. His glory is in your midst. He leads you by his presence. He gives you rest he makes his goodness to pass before you daily his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life peace unity love integrity honor and servanthood are all godly values that will prevail in your life Jesus Christ is the Lord over your life your marriage your ministry your children your career your whole life is surrendered to him Every day of the rest of your life, you will go forth from this place steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, a mighty warrior, ready to bear eternal fruit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. You are blessed. Women, thank you so much. We celebrate you. If altar workers want to come up, just to help us pray for those. Amen.